would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. You know, uh, many years ago, there was a, a preacher, and I, when I say many years ago, I'm talking like in the 1800s, many years ago, a preacher in Philadelphia, and he was, of course, he was preaching a worship service, and after the worship service, uh, somebody came up to him, a man out of the crowd, and says, you know, preacher, he says, I really didn't like the way that you were preaching so much about this cross. I mean, I just didn't like it. I think you would have more, uh, more success if you would preach about Jesus as the teacher and as the example of who we should all be. And so the preacher said to the man, he says, so if I present Christ like that, would you be willing to follow him? And the stranger said, of course I would, you know, sure, without hesitation. Preacher said, all right then. He says, well, well, let me ask you this. He said, he says, Jesus was a man of no sin. He was the example because he had absolutely no sin. Can you say that you have no sin? And the man said, well, of course I can't say that. I mean, he says, I, I'm open that, that, and I fully acknowledge that I do have sin. And so the preacher says, well, then your greatest need is not to have an example but instead to have a Savior. And in John 129, uh, John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so when we gather on Sunday mornings or we gather anywhere at any time in the name of Christ, we gather to worship Him. We gather to worship Jesus Christ because He is the Holy Lamb of God. And this morning, we are going to look at a passage in 1 Peter chapter 1 here that will explain some of the details or really kind of list some of the details and the characteristics of God's holy lamb. We're going to see some, some details about who he is, who is this holy lamb of God, and then we're going to see some details about what it is that he brings. And so I invite you to join me in 1 Peter chapter 1. Beginning in verse 18, reading to verse 21. It says this. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from the, from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of times for you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Father, we pray this morning as we dive into your word that you would speak to us, Lord. Help us to understand who is this Lamb of God and help us to be reminded of what it is that he brings. And we pray in his name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, in really the second part of verse 19, going into verse 20, we start to see some details that describe who God's holy lamb is. And God's holy lamb, the first thing is he is sinless. He is sinless. When Peter says that, uh, that the blood of Jesus is precious like that of a lamb without defect or blemish, it means that according to the Old 
Testament sacrificial system that was put in place by God according to God's system that Jesus' blood has become the perfect spiritual substitute for our sin. You see, in Exodus chapter 12, God gives Moses information about this coming Passover. And many of you are familiar with the Passover, where the Passover lamb was going, you know, Passover angel was going to come in to the, the, uh, the nation of Egypt and was going to go through all of the homes. And as a punishment for the sin of Egypt and the sin of Pharaoh and the sin, many sins of the nation, that uh, one person from each household would be uh, would would die as a punishment for sin and God explains to his people hey this is coming because by the way God loves us and he wants you to know what is going to happen and so he says this is coming and then he gives them details about how it is and what it is that they should do in order to uh, in order to not suffer the wrath of the death angel that is going to be coming through Egypt during that time. How it is that they could be spared, that, uh, that, that they could receive mercy. It's not that they themselves, the people of Israel in that day, it's not that they did not have sin, but God was trying to explain to them how it is that they would be able to receive mercy and for that death angel to pass over their home and so he gave them uh, instructions and how to do that how they would be spared from that punishment in Exodus 12 5 he says you must have an unblemished animal a a year old male you may take it from either the sheep or the goats he says you need an unblemished lamb and that that means that 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 unblemished animal that unblemished lamb is to be the best and most valuable animal they had because see in those days your livestock was directly tied to your income and your 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 business acumen your ability to be able to provide for your family and so he says i want you to take the best of the best of what you have and you are going to make a sacrifice you're going to sacrifice that uh in uh, you're going to sacrifice that to me in order to have your sins atoned for. What it means is that that lamb, it's a, it, the unblemished part means that that lamb, that lamb does not have any sores or bald spots or broken bones. Basically, if you were going to sell one of your animals, this lamb would be the best of the best. There is nothing that would cause somebody to say, hey, we, I need to pay a little less for that. In fact, person, someone might want to pay even more because it is unblemished. It is flawless. It is the best of the best of the livestock that you have. And the unblemished lamb of Exodus 12 is God's way of foreshadowing the coming of his holy lamb in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus was and is perfect. He is perfect in that he is without spiritual blemish. Scripture tells us that Jesus never sinned. In fact, when we get to 1 Peter chapter 2, he specifically says he, talking about Jesus, committed 
no sin because of that. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 that, that God had made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is what it means. It means that the blood of God's holy lamb is precious because Jesus Christ, who's the holy lamb of God, was and is without sin. He is sinless. That's one of the things we need to understand about Jesus. Jesus is not just another teacher. He's not on the same level as Muhammad. He's not on the same level as Confucius. He's not on the same level as Oprah, by the way, okay? He is sinless, without fault. He's perfect, number one. But number two, we see that Jesus is foreknown. He's foreknown. It says that this lamb was chosen before the foundation of the world. The Holman Christian Standard Bible that we're reading from says chosen. Other versions may use the term foreknown, that God had foreknown or, or uh, uh, God understood, God had foreordained him. But here's the deal. This is what was being said. This is what we're to, to understand when we read this. We're to understand that Everything Jesus went through, none of it caught God by surprise. I mean, think about it. Jesus was arrested. He was beaten. He was falsely tried, falsely convicted, unjustly executed by way of crucifixion. And step by step from his birth to his resurrection and ascension, none of it surprised any part of God. God already knew exactly what was going to happen. In fact, it was part of God's plan. When God created man, he knew that God the Son would have to come to earth in human form to provide salvation for the people that were created in God's image. He knew when he created Adam and Eve that Adam and Eve were going to sin and he knew that because of that sin that Jesus was going to have to come to this earth. Now, I don't believe that God caused Adam and Eve to sin, but he foreknew what they would do, and so he also foreknew how he was going to save them. Jesus reminds us that God is not caught off guard. He reminds us that he reminds us that God works all things out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The Holy Lamb that we worship this morning is a sinless Lamb of God. And He is foreknown. But also, He is revealed. It says that this Lamb was revealed at the end of times for you. Now, a lot of times when we hear, you hear the term, someone talks about the end of times, you begin naturally to think about the apocalyptic uh, prophecy things in the book of Revelation, maybe things out of some of Daniel. You begin instantly to think about those things. And those things will happen at the end of the end times, okay? Some say some of it's happening today. Could be, okay? But those are happening at the end of the end of times. When Peter talks about Jesus being revealed at the end of times, 
He's talking about Jesus being revealed when Jesus was born and Jesus came and he ministered to this earth in Peter's mind. That is the beginning of the end of times. So everything after Jesus is considered biblically in the New Testament, the end of times. When you look at the book of Revelation, the apocalypse, that's the end of the end of times. I don't know if that makes sense. But when we take the Lord's cup this morning, we will be commemorating that God brought us a holy lamb who became a substitute for our sin. He was revealed to us. He is sinless. He's foreknown. And he was revealed. He was revealed when he was born. That was when he, was, he first was revealed to the world in human form. But he reveals himself to us spiritually today. He reveals himself to us through the preaching of his word and the presence of his Holy Spirit. That is who he is. That is who he is. He is sinless. He's foreknown. And he has revealed, but I want to talk about what he brings as well. Because the first thing that he brings is redemption. First thing he brings is redemption. We see that in verse 18 when Peter says, you were redeemed. You were redeemed. In, in Revelation 5, 9, we see a picture of heaven. And it says that in heaven they sang a new song. And, and the words of that song is that you are worthy, talking to Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you redeemed people for God. How? By your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. We are a people that are redeemed. If we are in Christ, we are redeemed because our holy Lamb of God brings redemption through Jesus' blood. You can be redeemed in the eyes of God. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your nationality. You can find redemption in the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, everywhere I look, it seems like People are talking about all kinds of stuff. They're talking about critical theories. And I'm hearing words like nationalism and racism and anti-racism and riots and red states and blue states. And it's almost if in our world and according to our culture, your stand on those issues will condemn or redeem you in the eyes of the world. But scripture teaches us that in the eyes of God, Humanity's redemption is not found in secular social theories. It's not found in cancel culture or nationality. Humanity's redemption is found in the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ alone. That's why in Romans 3.25, we read this last week, but that's why in Romans 3.25, it says that God presented him, talking about Jesus, as a propitiation means a substitute or an atonement for our sins. So God presented Jesus as a propitiation through faith in his blood to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. There you go, a reference all the way back to the Passover in the book of Exodus. That's, that, that's the picture that God is going to overlook. He's going to forget. 
He's not, he's, he's, he's going to give mercy. Mercy means he's not going to punish you or do to you what you deserve in his, in his restraint. Because of his mercy, he will pass over the sins previously committed. Because the Holy Lamb of God brings redemption. Redemption how? Well, it's found in his blood. When we take the cup this morning and we talk about the blood of Jesus shed for our sins, that is what we are celebrating. We are commemorating. We are memorializing this morning when we get to that point. Not only does the Holy Lamb bring redemption, but he also brings a new life. You see, in verse 18 again, it, it, Peter says you were redeemed. Redeemed from what? Redeemed from an empty way or an old way of life. Paul mentions this in 2 Corinthians 5 when he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. We take the Lord's Supper this morning, one of the things that we celebrate is that through faith in Christ, we have been made new. If you're in Christ, you've been reborn. God has given you a new heart. Uh, not, not a literal heart, but a spiritual heart. It says a new heart and a new spirit. Because the Holy Lamb brings redemption. He brings a new life. I cannot begin to imagine where I would be today apart from the work of God in my life. I've shared with you before that I came to Christ when I was a senior in high school, and I had the whole, my whole life ahead of me in those days. I'll tell you that the things that had the most influence on me in those days, and the people that I gave the most, inf you know, I, I allowed to influence me the most in those days, uh, if I would have followed those things without any intervention from the Lord, I will tell you it would have taken me down a very dangerous path, a path of destruction. Not that I lived perfectly after becoming a Christian. Of course, I struggled just like anybody else would, but I'm telling you, if not for the intervention of God in my life, there is no telling where I would be or if I would be on this earth at all. I have a new life in Christ. And if you are in Christ, you have a new life as well. So he brings redemption. He brings a new life. But number three, or letter C, I guess, he brings hope. Verse 21 says, so that your faith and hope are in God. You see, the new life in Christ is not a pointless life. It's a life that's filled with hope, the hope of Christ, the hope of, of a relationship with God, the hope of a God who walks with you, the hope of a God who will never leave you, the hope of a God that will give you the strength to endure the trials and tribulations of life, the, the hope of a God who will lead you and guide you and direct you, a God who will light the way, a God who provides eternal life to any and all who are willing to trust in Him. It does not matter where you are from. It does not matter what color your skin is. It does not matter uh, what 
political party you voted for, it does not matter. It does not matter what you have done, how horrible you have been. If you would trust in the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you can be saved. His name is Jesus. And he is the Holy Lamb of God. He is sinless. He is foreknown. He is revealed. He's revealed to you because he is the substitutionary atonement for your sin. His name is Jesus. And he brings redemption. He brings a new life. And he brings hope to all who would receive him through faith. That is who we are here to worship and celebrate this morning. Maybe you're here with us today and whether it's here in the room or online somewhere, and the truth is you know about Jesus, but you've never truly received Jesus. You've been around Jesus, but you've never put your faith in Jesus. Friends, it's not too late. You can receive Christ wherever you are today. You say, how do you do that? Well, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins and you believe that he that his death was, is, and always will be enough to pay, your sin, pay for your sin and to provide eternal life to you, then Scripture teaches us that you can receive that salvation, salvation of God through faith. Receive it through faith by confessing to Him your sinfulness, repenting of that sin, and committing to follow Him all the days of your life. And you can do that wherever you are. Doesn't matter how old you are, young or old, male or female, you can receive Christ. But you know, for the believers in here, as we think about taking the Lord's Supper this morning, we are reminded that the Lord's Supper is a holy sacrament, a holy ordinance of the church. It's sacred. And Scripture tells us that it should not be taken in an unworthy manner. So for that reason... It's important that we as believers take some time to focus on the Lord, to get our heart right before Him. If maybe maybe it was right when you came in the room, maybe this would be a time just to worship Him some more. Maybe it would be a time to confess sin or to ask Him to sanctify us. But with that in mind, we will have a time of invitation and reflection. And as God works in your heart, I pray that you would respond to him, whatever it is. Let's pray.